This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to visit with someone from one of my favorite places in the country. We're here to visit today with Mary Stewart. Mary is the COO, the Chief Operating Officer of SIU Medicine, Southern Illinois University Medicine. I'm thrilled to hear what's happening in the Carbondale and the greater Southern Illinois area and SIU Med and the role of COO and how it's evolving and more. Mary, can you take a moment to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your career? Well, thank you, Scott, and I'm happy to be here this morning. Uh, I am the uh, Chief Operating Officer for SIU Medicine, and we are an academic medical center affiliated with Carbondale, and the healthcare practice is in Springfield, Illinois. Uh, so our medical students start in Carbondale at the university, and then they transfer to Springfield for their learning after their school and uh, have their, their practical, if you will, in Springfield and the surrounding counties. So we're actually affiliated with 66 counties in central and southern Illinois, where our med students are residents, and many of my uh, departments also have fellowship programs. And uh, I would say, just to give you an idea, the uh, we've been around 50 years, and so we have produced a lot of good physicians, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, and nurses through the SIU system. Um, I've been here four years in my role. I've been in management for many years, uh, both in private practice and in hospital settings. I'm a nurse. And uh, I, I uh, think probably just like about everybody across the country uh, would say that this past year and a half with our COVID epidemic has been one of the most challenging, but yet rewarding uh, times in my life to see all of this take place right before my eyes. And uh, happy to say that uh, with vaccination rates and so on, we are on the, I hope, uphill and uh, things will get back to whatever our new norm is going to be. And, and, and take a moment. Tell us about Springfield Clinic. It's, you were there for about 15, 17 years. About some of the leadership lessons you learned. Maybe some thoughts on leadership to share with us. I mean, you're, you're having this remarkable career. You're now CEO of a great academic medical center in, in, in the great land of Lincoln and, and magnificent. Talk for a moment about the Springfield Clinic and some of the leadership lessons you learned over your career and so forth. Sure, sure. So I started my uh, management career actually in uh, St. John's Hospital here in Springfield in the operating room. I'm a nurse and uh, worked for quite a few years in surgery. And so that's where I got my feet wet in management and I managed uh, a 24-hour uh, service. We were a level one trauma center. I had about 125 employees and of course worked with quite a few surgeons during that time and really loved it. And then uh, uh, probably after about uh, five to seven years, somewhere in there of managing the ORs, I went to Springfield Clinic and was there for about 16 years and was their chief clinical officer. That is a large multi-specialty private practice uh, located in central Illinois. And during that time, I learned a lot about leadership. Um, the clinic really grew under our uh, board and administration. We added uh, multiple areas of outreach as well as primary care practices. 
and really expanded outside of Springfield. Uh, that growth strategy allowed the clinic to become pretty strong. A lot of ancillary services were added. For example, uh, in my tenure there, one of the areas I was in charge of was the Ambulatory Surgery Center. And we went from two operating rooms to when I left there, we had six operating rooms and four uh, GI suites. And we were doing probably more outpatient uh, procedures in a year, Monday through Friday, than many hospitals. Uh, we had our own anesthesia service that uh, I had added during my tenure there and very high patient satisfaction, but it was all outpatient surgery. We had added uh, CAT scan, MRI, as well as routine radiology and labs and, and things like that. So pretty big growth strategies, uh, a lot of looking at um, kind of the, the um, I'll call it, oh, maybe the, the um, you know, where is uh, primary care located, where can specialists be, that type of model. And then coming over to Southern Illinois, one thing that really attracted me here was I was originally hired as the director of patient experience. And being a nurse, I knew that patient experience is very important in today's world because people have a choice. Uh, many insurances now allow the patient to choose what kind of primary care provider they want or what specialist they want to go to. And yes, patients will ask their physician, well, who do you recommend? But they also ask their family and friends. And so I spent quite a bit of time working with a group here. We call them CHOP here in, within SIU. It's actually the Center for Human and Organizational Potential. And uh, they are a little over two years old. And this is a group of physicians that we have worked with very closely on not just patient experience, but employee and physician or provider experience as well. And I like to tell the story. We can talk all day long about patient experience, and that is very important. But if you forget about your employees and your physicians, uh, you're going to have the turnover, and you really want to make sure that that's just as important as the patient experience. And so we spent a lot of time on that. And then two years ago, I was promoted to the chief operating officer because I'd been doing a lot with access and uh, looking at our referring partners and working on primary care. And so uh, working directly with our dean, our CEO, which is the same person, Dr. Jerry Cruz, uh, I've seen a lot of changes these past few years. When you talked about patient experience, I thought you hit this so well that you really can't get great patient experience unless you get to great provider experience. Mm -hmm. I mean, people try and sell that there's all these technology answers and everything else. But at the end of the day, you need a great and engaged workforce, providers at every level, people at every level, people that actually provide that great patient experience, don't you? Yes, yes. You know, um, if you think about the front door to a practice, uh, a healthcare practice, it is the people who are answering the phone. So if you have a live person answering the phone, helping that uh, person navigate the healthcare system, uh, like I said a little bit ago, we're located in 66 counties. And so we're not just in one location. And I think that 
when you're coming to a physician, many patients or their family members are still a little scared. And so you want to make sure that person answering the phone is competent and can help that patient get to where they need to be. Uh, the other person who is our front door is once the patient gets here, it's our check-in our receptionist, our front desk, whatever you want to call them. And are they greeting that patient with a smile? Are they looking at them? Or are they just looking at a computer and, and kind of manually checking them in without that interaction? And so, you know, we can talk all day long about getting back to the doctor and seeing the doctor, but that front door is just as important as the physicians, as the nursing staff or the clinical staff. And, of course, the patient is why we all do it. Magnificent. And talk about, there are so many divides in America, and, and you see them every place, but probably none as strong in the area that you're in of the divide between St. Louis Cardinals fans and Chicago Cub fans. How do you <laughs> deal with such different populations of people? No, I'm just uh, this the, I'm, I'm laughing because uh, Monday night I was at uh, Bush Stadium because we are Cardinal fans and we were sitting right alongside Cub fans because we played each other or we are playing each other this week. But, um, I, you know, I think uh, we can't forget the White Sox. Uh, I think they're important, too. But uh, I think, you know, it just depends upon almost where you live Um you will find a few Cardinal fans from Springfield up to about Peoria, maybe. Uh, otherwise, you're getting closer to White Sox and Cub territory. Um, and then I would say uh, probably Springfield down to Southern Illinois, you're going to see mostly Cardinal fans. And and it's fun. Uh, my, my next door neighbor is a Cub fan, and we have fun whenever we play each other. Sometimes we go to the games together. Uh, we've been known to leave a broom on each other's uh, porches when we have a sweep, but uh, it's it's a fun rivalry, and I think they're both great teams. And, and I guess as a leader, empathy is so important. And, and does it empathy – do you have such great empathy skills that when the Cubs go on a 10- to 12-game losing streak, you're empathetic to your neighbor, or is it hard for you to be empathetic at that point? No, no. Um, it's all in fun for that. Um, you know, it's it's more of a uh, how do we tease each other? And, uh, you know, I, I would say uh, in healthcare, it's you've got to have humor in healthcare too, uh, just like you do when you're talking about Cardinal or Cub games. Um, life is way too serious and uh, there's a time to be serious, uh, whether it's it's a ball game or healthcare. But at the same time, uh, you've got, I think it's important that we've got to remember, we've got to make each other feel comfortable in the work that we're doing as peers or colleagues. We've got to make that patient feel comfortable. Uh, life is way too challenging for us not to be able to help each other. And I think that's how I try to lead by example every day. It could not agree more. Thank you, Mary. Talk about how the role of COO is evolving. I mean, this sort of mix of technology and people and trying to manage broad swaths of people. In the old days, the COO is sort of managed by walking around by with a checklist, with a clipboard, make sure the trains run on time. How is that role evolving today from what it was traditionally thought of? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you are exactly right. You know, I think um, 
I still like to do management by walking around as much as possible. Uh, when you're in 66 counties, obviously I don't get to all 66 uh, weekly or even monthly, but I think it's important to put names with faces, with technology, with things like WebEx or Zoom or whatever platform. I think that is more and more possible. We certainly learned that during this past year with COVID. Uh, technology is possible from anything from patient care to our meetings. And, um, you know, I think, uh, I th I think I said a little bit ago, patients many times want their care when they want it. They don't want to wait a couple weeks to see a physician, whether it's for a checkup or a problem, and they will seek out what meets their schedule. And I think things like self-scheduling is so important. I think, uh, things like bi-directional texting is very important where patients can get their answers uh, by writing to their provider or emailing their providers um, within, you know, a safe environment. And I think in this world, uh, I think that's why the urgent cares, the express cares, the prompt cares have become so important in today's world that people want their care when they want it. And so to stay current and to make sure that you're supplying, um, I will tell you what saved us with COVID versus a lot of uh, healthcare facilities across the country. We adapted very quickly to telehealth. We had done some telehealth before COVID and we put the platform in and, and we're up and going within a week. Um, our visits because of that, uh, yes, we did dip during COVID, but uh, basically came right back up because our practitioners were able to do telehealth visits for their patients very quickly. We still saw patients in person when needed uh, with precautions, but uh, um, telehealth had become very popular. Some of my departments are still primarily using telehealth because it actually is more efficient for their patient care and they're able to see more patients because they're not traveling to all these different locations and the patients are able to have their care from home. So the patients love it as well. Um, one of the other things that we are uh, have implemented is uh, that bi-directional texting that I talked about, uh, being able to have that conversation if a patient wants to change their appointment in the old days, they had to call a phone number and see if they could come another day or another time. Now that patient can text us and say, you know, I can't come Friday afternoon at two. Could I come next Tuesday at three o'clock by chance? And we can work that out in a matter of minutes because it's texting. The patient is satisfied. We don't lose that patient or have a no-show. And so it, that has actually been better for our practice. So these new ways of communication has really helped us. Um, I would say as far as uh, evolving, I think um, across the country, I think all of us are looking at access and how can we see these patients, what's the most efficient way. Um, many times practices are still using the hub and spoke model where, you know, our main location is here in Springfield. However, we go to many rural areas. Um, to be able to see those patients rather than them having to always come to Springfield. Uh, they might come here for their big surgery and then the surgeon might follow up with them uh, in a week at their hometown. And that has been a very, very successful model because patients uh, want to keep their care close to home.
and, and one last question. In some of the rural communities, what are you seeing in terms of vaccine hesitancy? Are the numbers pretty good? Are there lots of he- is there a lot of hesitancy? What, what are you seeing out there? Um, I would say in uh, central and southern Illinois, there is some vaccine hesitancy. Um, we are doing a lot of education uh, within our communities. We've actually got what we call community health workers that are out in the communities, working with people, working with churches, working with schools. Um, They get that trust of that community because they are within the community. And one of the things they're talking about is vaccines. And that has helped us quite a bit. We were a vaccine distribution center. We still are in some of our locations. And also that trust with a physician. Um, Our pediatrics department, as patients are coming in, the pediatricians, the residents are having those conversations with the parents uh, right now for uh, children 12 years and over, and that has been very successful too. So I think, you know, the hesitancy uh, is there. I think we all have to acknowledge it. I think we continue to educate and communicate about the effects of the vaccine and what good it is doing, especially with the variants out there, and uh, look at it as one patient, one family at a time, and see what we can do to educate and convince them that the vaccine is really good in the long run if we ever want to get to herd immunity. No, it's, it's, I think you hit it so well. The more that we deal with it, acknowledge it honestly, deal with it honestly, deal with it in a straightforward way, and really with the bigger goal of herd immunity, I think it's so true. Somebody makes their individual decision on whatever grounds they want and, and to acknowledge it and understand there is hesitancy. But to look at it as yes, but, or yes, and we have this greater goal of trying to reduce the amounts of variants spreading around our whole community. And the only way to get there is lots of people vaccinated. Mary, I can't tell you what a pleasure it is to visit with you. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, it, it, you know, I spent a lot of time in Champaign County, so it brings me home to get a chance to talk to him from Southern Illinois. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for taking the time to visit with us today. Thank you very well, much. Thank you.